0: Episode 75 of Paper Talk, a series of podcast interviews featuring artists and professionals who are working in the field of hand paper making and paper art. I'm Helen Hebert and I run Helen Hebert Studio, a hand papermaking studio in Colorado's Rocky Mountains where I create artist books and installations. I also host the annual Redcliffe Paper Retreat and papermaking master classes here in the studio, and I teach online classes about paper, light, and books too. Find out more at HelenHebertStudio.com. Today, I'm talking with Jackie Radford, a papermaker and bookbinder working in her studio near Charlotte, North Carolina. Radford's work is heavily influenced by the texture and sensory nature of the materials she works with. She needs to feel them as much as see them. During the COVID pandemic, she immersed herself in making paper from pure cotton rag, pulling over 5,000 sheets. The slow meditative practice of papermaking provided an anchor during the turbulence of the pandemic. And she is now busy trying to keep up with orders on Etsy. Enjoy our conversation.
1: Well, Jackie Radford, welcome to Paper Talk. So great to have you on. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here and thrilled to, to be able to spend some time with you today, Helen.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was so fun meeting you here. Uh You came to my Redcliffe Paper Retreat. I think it was yeah. the last one that happened because we're still hopefully at the tail end of COVID. So hopefully, was that yes. 2019?
1: Yes, it yeah. was. And it was it that was a um that had been kind of like a goal. Of, I'd really wanted to come and do that kind of immersive, you know, four or five day thing where you can really you know, dive in, make, play, and then evolve over the course of several days. So I liked, you know, that I had that, and I liked the immersive nature of the retreat as well. So it was fantastic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Well, uh, so tell me,
1: how did you come to art and paper and books? Yes. I, um, I, this art was not my first career. I actually, I, when I was young, I always wanted to be a veterinarian because I love animals and then you know and, and everybody seemed very impressed with oh a veterinarian a veterinarian so I was like oh I think I'm on to something here mm-hmm. until I hit chemistry and that brought that dream to a screeching halt and I thought you know perhaps there's another career for me and my mom actually was a nurse mm-hmm. as well. She went back to school when I was in middle school. She got a nursing degree. And that looked pretty good to me. I loved biology. I let lo- you know. So I got a nursing degree from UNC Carolina. Go Tar Heels! And um, I, pr- I practiced as a nurse for a while and met my husband. Had we had our kids, and I was able to stay home with them. Um, and I have have two boys, and you know we're rocking along, living our life. I'm raising. You know, when one of my kids has special needs, so there was a was. I was glad I was able to be home and I needed to be there with him. But as they, over time, there began to be a foul odor in the house, you know, after 10 or 12, 13 so years after the children were born, Mm -hmm. the smell. smell, And I was like, what is this? What is that? What's happening? They used to smell like candy canes and (laughs) clouds. And my God, what? And I, This was then a strong indication of the passage of time, and that that was you could I could no longer deny that they are eventually going to leave, and I was going to need to get a life. So I thought, you know, I might should go ahead and start getting a life now because I don't know that that happens overnight. I might should go and get started. Did and I thought I wanted to go back to nursing. No, I really didn't. Healthcare had changed so much. I you know, and my my husband's a physician, and he practices here in town and I just did not want to be that. Oh, are you, are you just, I don't know. And I just didn't love that. So I, no. I, I was like, well, and I thought, well, you know, I, what have I always wanted to do? I'd always wanted to learn how to oil paint and make stain and work with stained glass. Hmm. So I thought, well, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm one of those people. I've always loved making things. I've always enjoyed working with my hands. So I learned how to oil paint. I learned how to make stained glass. And I still actually couldn't oil paint. And I still play a little bit with glass. But as I was learning how to oil paint, this was when like YouTube kind of blew up and all of a sudden you could learn anything and everything on YouTube. And I was fascinated with that. And I was just like trying to watch all these videos. And I saw a video, make your own book. Uh And when I saw a video that you could make your own book, you have got to be kidding me that with my, with my humble hands, I could create the magic of a book and I, I was, I was hooked. I was just started learn, you know, tr- trying to do the, vi- you know, the video and the videos very quickly. I was like, there's, there's something, there's more here. I don't, these oh. videos. So I started trying to find classes. Um, I ended up at Penland, which that really, um, it, I have this weird word I, that tangibilified the, <laughs> I didn't realize that like books and paper was like, Quote real art, uh huh, uh huh. Right, As I thought oil painting—that's uh-huh. you know, real art, you know. Cause that's because I, I had such a limited exposure to the art world and what art is, or what or what you know. And I thought, well, that's an oil painting hanging in a gallery. That's that's what serious artists do. So I was still trudging away at oil painting, but on the side, I was just. Going crazy with learning how to do make books and make paper and stuff, and it was when I went to Penland that I realized that oh, this is real art. <laughs> I mean, right. this is, yeah.
0: So, did you go for like a two week session in the summer?
1: And who did you work with? Yeah, I worked with Beth. Um, oh gosh, Beth. It's okay. Mm-hmm. She was. She had was just coming off of her. She was a core fellow. Okay. Yeah. She took a class with me. I know who you're talking about. Beth Shibley. Yeah. 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 Beth Shibley. Yeah. And she was teaching long stitch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She was teaching and leather long stitch. And um, that just broke the world open to me. Yeah.
0: And was this like 10 years ago or? Yeah. Uh,
1: Yeah. Eight years ago, seven, nine years ago, something like Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And it, um, it that changed everything because uh-huh. I I was like you know I don't even really like oil painting uh-huh. so you know it's a good thing that I could stop doing that <laughs> you know, <I> could, <laughs> what a relief you know I could oh I just <laughs> I, I pushed I beat that dead horse for so long and I but I so I, I pivoted into bookbinding really and and le- leather long stitch is still my passion I mean I've learned a lot of other structures right um, yeah but the something about the the leather lawn you know and then when you love books you love paper and then I was like I saw your book how uh-huh. to make paper with garden plants uh-huh yeah and I was like wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> you mean to tell me once again like you got, you got you, what are you telling me that I can take the plants from my, I, we, we love to garden. Right. Yeah. We love my, my husband and I, we love, I was like, you, I can take those plant, you know, and make them, into, you have got to be these humble hands. can you know, so. <laughs> And I just, I loved the, just the little wisps of, of organic matter in the paper, you know, the little, as you, I just. So I, tell me about the first paper you made. Oh gosh, yeah! First paper I made. Um, I went here in. I live in North Carolina, right. which is I'm very lucky because I'm about an hour and a half from Penland, mm-hmm. and I'm about um, 45 minutes from another place called Sawtooth School of Art in Winston Salem, North mm-hmm. Carolina. And Anne Murray was a papermaker in Winston, and she was teaching. Um, she was teaching. It wasn't paper. It was it was using plant material, but it was also like putting um, formation aid and like you pull a sheet and you put your fern frond down and then you pull another very thin, thin sheet and lay it on. So You're kind of embedding. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was very I, I, I loved it. And, it. and it because I'd seen your I'd read your book. And then I went up and worked with her. And that I was like, okay, I, this is, I got, I got it. Mm-hmm. And that just, some of the first sheets I made were with, well, some of the first sheets I made actually were very rudimentary <laughs> with like, well, that's how you start. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was like, Oh, you can take construction paper and put it in your blender. Right. Yeah. Kind of mash it, you know, and it makes this kind of a cardboard type paper. And I was like, well, that's not, you know, I wanted to make like, real paper, like pretty paper. I mean, it's all real paper, but, but um, yeah, so that I started boiling up plant material after that and using recycled, using a lot, all my um, offcuts from my um, book, from my book binding on my paper, I would have scraps, you know, from all my parent sheets and such and recycling all that down. And
0: Yeah. I want to say something here because it's interesting that you said, I want to make real paper because I find a lot of people, uh, that I encounter who have just tried it one time, yeah. Um, yeah, they're not happy with it, but they think that that's it, and they yeah. don't realize you can go further for some reason. Um, and even a really popular YouTube channel who used my book, yeah. I, I noticed she she didn't do it right. Like she didn't she didn't want to buy a blender, so she like hand be recycled paper and yeah. you just don't get the right results if you don't have the right equipment. And yeah, I mean, like it's anything, you really have to dive in. You yeah. Do.
1: yeah, I find it frustrating. And I, I, when I found the same thing with book binding, when I was trying to learn, like the quote Coptic stitch was all the rage. And so there were a lot of video, but the maybe these people really knew, how, but they were leaving out really important steps. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. To get that really sweet finished product, you know, right. that sweet, there's all those little finishing tips and tricks that, that, I mean, and I, I cannot, you know, I understand that maybe you're trying to tease, you know, you're trying to do a teaser for pay for something. Pay, right. you know, I, absolutely. I want to, let's all make money. I want us all to make money. I got no problem. But I, I would get, I would find that very frustrating that the, yeah, the, my results will be crappy. What I, but I did, I, I don't know how I, I think because of your book, I was like, okay, there's more
2: uh-huh. to this.
1: And, and, and when I went to Penland, they had not built the new mm. built the book and, and so books and paper were kind of right on top of each other. Right.
2: Right. You know,
1: so I, I could look out and see. Oh, what are those big pieces of equipment out there?
2: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. You yeah. know, Well, what are the, Oh, that's a big 20 ton hydraulic press. That's what cooching sheets look like. Oh, that's what a huge dry, you know, drying racks. So just, Oh, that yeah. there's more in my blender here. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're
0: reminding me that when I worked at Doudonnet in New York yeah. city. Yeah. I just, that's what I knew. So that's what I tried to replicate when I left. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of what you're exposed to, too, because paper making is not everywhere. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah,
1: it takes some research to really figure it yeah. out. And so, whenever, yeah, whenever I tell people, like even just local artist friends, that I'm really making paper, I'm really. Oh, can I come to your setup? Can I come to your setup? Can I come to your setup? What's your setup? What's your, you know, because like you said, it's not everywhere. And yeah, be difficult to figure out where to start.
0: Right. So, so you were making books, making paper. I know you sell on Etsy now. When did that come into play? Yeah,
1: I had, I had opened an Etsy shop mostly because I was making a lot of leather, le- leather, long stitch journals and I was doing the craft fairs and, those kinds of things and okay. people would always say, "Oh, do you have an Etsy?" Uh-huh. And I thought that meant I'll go to your Etsy and buy things, but that's not what that means. <laughs> that actually means I love your work, I'm really interested, but I'm not buying. I'd like to say something polite. That <laughs> in <laughs> any case I might be interested, you know. It's so, yeah, that but but I, people kept asking why I opened an Etsy back uh-huh. in 2017 or so, something. And, but, I, and I threw a couple of journals in there so I could say, yes, I have an Etsy. Right. And yeah, so, um, but it just sort of sat there, didn't really, didn't really do anything. And I, um, I got really the Etsy thing came because of COVID because I got okay. a, I applied for a project grant for. Right. Let's back up because I know you um,
0: started doing work with your local Garden and plants, and tell me about that.
1: Yeah, I had um, because I love papermaking with garden plants. I just there's just, and particularly cattail. I love that golden color. But I wanted to experiment, and and but I had really sort of used all the plant material in my yard. I mean, I Mm -hmm. you know, and I was like, man, I got to get some more plant material. What am I gonna do? I got to get maybe my neighbors and I saw, and then I thought oh, wait a minute, <laughs> there's a botanical garden here in Gaston County, <laughs> they might have some plant material. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so, but I, you know, and I thought, okay, that, yeah, they all have plant material, but then I thought, okay, well, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't know anybody there, I don't know, how to, I know nothing, you know, what? so what can I offer them so that they will let me take their plant material. I, I I wasn't sure how much I was gonna need and I wasn't sure, or did they let people roam around their compost piles? I just didn't. So I thought, what can I offer them uh-huh. to m- make it seem worthwhile uh-huh. to work with me and let me use their plant material? And I thought, you know, here's what I could do. Here's what here's what I, I'll just teach paper making with garden plants. <laughs> Using at at the garden, because the garden, the Daniel Stowe Botanical Garden, they had a fairly healthy education department and were always looking for people to teach. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, here, I'll just teach paper making the garden with and we'll use garden plants from the garden, teaching how to make paper at the garden with. And I was like, this just sells itself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is, you know, great. And I would I would take a map a little map of the garden and I would mark the spot where the plant material came from that we were using in class. Right. And as the paper was drying, we would take a tour of the garden and discuss, you know, plants that would, what plants would be appropriate for paper making in the garden. Yeah. So it was, it turned into a fun class, but that was my, trying to get a hook to bring something to the table so that, you know, we could start working together, me and the garden and they loved it. They said it took me out to the horticulture staff, introduced me and.
0: Yeah, that's great. I actually, that reminds me of a time when I, I was living in Portland, Oregon and a, a woman I worked with had a tree farm and she invited me to do a paper making workshop up there. And we went and we, everybody camped there and we uh, like, yeah. looked for fiber and harvested ourselves. So it sounds like the horticultural staff
1: Gave you their waste,
0: so they yeah. did the
1: harvesting. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Because that, yes, yeah. so they don't. Yes. They frown upon you walking around <laughs> whacking things off at the <laughs> botanical garden. Don't love that. Right, <laughs> but right. they did give me free reign of their compost piles. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I would just drive kind of around the back, and just you know, I and pop up the back, or I'd take the truck or whatever, and just throw stuff in the back of the truck and you know and wave the staff drives by and I'm waving and I found some um uh it's still to this day I'm I remember the when when I first made this it, it was I was using something that was variegated. it was a variegated tall grass uh-huh. kind of material and um that I just put out of the compost pile I was like well, I don't know what this is let's try it and apparently it was variegated because even the after I had boiled the stuff boiled the plant material and rinsed and and processed it down. I still had a beater at that point, so I processed it down the beater. The little strands of plant fiber were were sort of that brownish color, but it had dark variegation stripes on it. Oh, and cool. I just I to just to this day, I, I of course have saved several pieces because. Oh, well, I, yeah. I, you know, that was just like a little magic miracle. Once you got close and really looked at it and mm-hmm. it took a minute to stop mm-hmm. and take it in. You could see these stripes, very right. the, the oh. plant variegated. So um, oh, I loved it. Yeah. So I just pull in random stuff out, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So um, tell me about your studio then. And then I know you started with just a blender, but now you have a beater and. What yeah. other equipment you
1: have, and where you yeah. make paper, and all that. Yes, I had for I had always um, shared a studio with some, you know, tried to like let's go in and rent someplace mm-hmm. together, you know, because um, I, I very much, for me personally, needed to leave the house mm-hmm. and go to work, like right. to establish that I needed to establish a disciplined studio practice, and for me that meant leave the house, like, put some money in it. So you got something hanging on over your head to, you know, get your butt to the studio and work, you know, and, and I needed to like, this was, I was trying to make this professional
2: mm-hmm.
1: R- move from hot, this was my hobby to this was my career, my professional oh, life. So for me, that meant renting a studio, but about the third time a studio mate you know, bailed on me rather abruptly, leaving me with a space that I could not even ever afford mm. on what my my business was generating. Finally, you know, I was about the third time that happened and my husband watching me, you know, mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah, he was like, you know, hon, I think, you know, we've been needing to do blah, blah in the yard, in the, uh, let's just do a building. Uh-huh. You know, and because and, I had said maybe one day I'll do a building, uh-huh. but it, he wasn't keen about it until the third time I was studio less and he right. was like, let's do one. So we got a little, those little prefab buildings,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and, and I love it. I mean, I, I love it. So I've got kind of in my back corner of our lot, a little, I think it's 14 by 26. Mm hmm little prefab building that they brought in and plopped down here so I I was able to go and not have to worry about my roommate is my studio making a bail on me and I you know won't be able to I'll have to move again it's very disruptive to break the whole thing down move it yeah yeah I just hate that but at that point I was still I was working with a blender Mm -hmm. and you know concrete bin mixing bins or dish tub bins and and the cl- in the class I was using a five and a half by eight and a half mm-hmm. mold because it folds into a note card. Right. Folds in half and it like an I think it fits an A2 envelope or something. So that's what I was teaching in the class. So that's a lot of what I was making and just I was still kind of playing and messing and
2: mm-hmm. and
1: just sort of getting my legs under me as a mm-hmm. papermaker, what fibers did I want to work with. I didn't, you know, I was still trying to figure all that out you know so, but when I got the space when I got my studio here I thought you know I've sort of black, maxed out my blender with plant material mm-hmm. right you know how many blenders have you burned out before mm-hmm. you got to be, you know and I are you just
0: using regular household blenders and there was um, a big one
1: no it was a uh, um it's a uh, I don't know. It was. It's stronger and more durable. Okay. So it's almost. It's. It's not as big as like a bar blender, but it's the motor's more like a bar blender. Right. Right. Motor. Yeah. But it was still basically that size. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was. I was doing a lot of. um, I was still using my Mohawk paper waste, my scrap from that, which after you soak it, it's fairly easy to get that broken down from the books you were making. Yeah. From the books I was making.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: And then processing. Yeah. So that little, boy, that little blender, Oh. you get tired of that real quick. right? Yes. Yes. Right. And, and it started to just get, you know, you can only, it overheats and then you got to stop for the day, you know, and you're like, I got a class tomorrow. I can't stop. I got to keep, you know, and I thought, you know, what I really need is a beater. Mm-hmm. If I really, you know, want to do this more than two or three classes a year and really start playing with a lot of different kinds of plant material. And I really need a beater. But to do that, I really feel like I need to get try to get a grant,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so try mm-hmm. to get a grant,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. And um, I felt like with teaching the papermaking classes at the Botanical Garden, using their plant material, I really felt like that was a project that would speak to a grant board, mm-hmm. you know, cause it was involving the community in the paper making with the fibers from the garden, you know, and I had done demos, like they do a children's fair thing and I had done paper making demos at the garden at the children's fair. And the, I felt like that was kind of my um, a percentage of my practice. That was a, like a, my donation of my time and my, like my giving back,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right, and, and, right. Yeah. So I, I thought that project had some teeth in it to get a grant. You know that because I wanted to make it expand it, and I needed a piece of equipment to do it. So I got the grant. I wrote for the right, grant and that school. was the
0: North Carolina Council for the Arts,
1: or right, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. And they do a, they do, they break it down by region, and they say we'll give. X number of grants per region of mm-hmm. North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And there's an um, arts and science council in Charlotte that oversees that for this region. Okay. So I thought, you know, what the heck? I, I had gotten a grant from them before for my paper cutter. Mm-hmm. And I thought, all right, well, let's give it another, you know, you have to wait number X number of years before you can apply again. I thought, well, I'll just apply again. We'll see what happens. Maybe it's meant to be. So I, my project grant was to expand the teaching, expand, expand the plant material. I had already taught, been teaching there for a year and mm-hmm. it had gone well. And, you know, so all this went into, you know, when you're writing a, a grant, it, I, you know, I, I would talk to people. They were like, I should get a beater. I just want to play with it. And I'm like, oh <laughs> really? <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Well, well you I know, a beater for that. Yeah, a beater's not a cheap thing. And it's an interesting angle you took, though, to to get a piece of equipment for a project grant, because I don't think that is n- normal,
1: if yeah. there is
0: normal in the grant mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's like to pay yourself and to pay for materials and things like that. But yeah. uh, it's so cool that you were able yeah. to do that. And you got a Mark Lander critter beater. Is that right? I got a
1: critter beater. Yeah. I got a critter beater from Mark and, um, and uh, it arrived. You have to put the motor. You have to be a little bit of a DIYer. If yeah. you're going to get a critter beater. Right. Uh, Cause you have to buy the motor and then wire the motor and then mount it you yeah. know and then figure out then because how and where you mounted your motor is your, is your belt. How long is your belt? How many inches of a belt do you need? You know, da-da-da-da. yeah. So it, um, I, I, it was not, I, it was not hard. Oh, good. To me, yeah. I, I, I'd not done any electrical work. That made, but I watched a couple of YouTube videos. <laughs> <and> <laughs> bam, bam. so yes, I, I got a little critter beater. Uh huh. Twenty twenties. It's just the beginning of twenty twenty. I'm ready to get going with uh-huh. my your aunt, you know, and really gonna go get some plant material out of Daniel Stoke. <laughs> and everything
0: came to a screeching halt yeah yeah and so you pivoted what did you do
1: I pivoted I thought you know you know what I've always wanted to do (laughs) I really always wanted to take a deep dive into cotton rag paper Uh Uh uh-huh and just uh something about being a southerner Mm -hmm. and having grown up in the south and cotton's history in the south and it's dark history in the south with slavery and racism Mm -hmm. because this was 20 it's the beginning of 2020 and george floyd had been killed and yeah i was very conflicted about being a you know my southern history just the whole thing i thought you know i think i i I just want to spend some time working with cotton rag and cotton and just as I'm thinking about all of these other things. And so I, there I pivoted and cause you really need a beater if you're going to do cotton rag. Right. And um, of course, in my hoard, I had, I had a blackout lining, a lot of blackout lining that I had bought from a draper. Cause she did custom drapery and mm-hmm. she was retiring and I bought two giant tables from her. Mm-hmm. And I just, she had this, Whole, I mean, like piles against the wall of all her scrap from her black. And I, she, she was like, just take it. Just take mm-hmm. it. I want to get out of here. Take so I thought, well, let am just throw that in the beater. And it makes gorgeous paper. Mm. Makes, mm-hmm. But I thought, as I was thinking, I'm going to do a deep dive into cotton rag. What am I going to do with the thousands of sheets of paper that I make? Right. As I'm really figuring this, figuring out how does cotton rag work? What does that, what does it do? What does it look like? I know I got that kind of dusty Etsy shop. Mm-hmm. I'll stick them in there. Mm-hmm. You know, I can make, I can make at the, at the time I could make what I, you know, passable paper that I could sell that I was comfortable selling right. for a fairly low price. Right. And it blew up. It just, yeah. And how did that happen? Like I how did people find you? I, well, I, t- I actually, I was, I was, I don't know, but I do know a few things. Uh-huh. Part, part of it really is kind of like what in heaven's name is happening here, but I do know one or two things that helped. Mm -hmm. So I went on, I was trying to figure out how to price the paper Uh and I knew that it was, it was okay paper, right? I knew knew it wasn't artist paper. So I went to Etsy and I typed in handmade paper
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and there were only two, or three pages uh-huh. of handmade paper. And so I priced from what I saw there, right? you know, and it was quite low. Mm-hmm. And most, most people were making recycled cotton paper, you know, recycling, mean, recycled paper, paper, you know. right. I still priced low, but the fact that there were only two or three pages of search results, so meant, a small pond. Meant that
0: anyone who searched for handmade paper would find you. Right, so that's what happened because you don't really advertise,
2: Mm-mm.
0: right? Right, and you're making what size sheets do you make? Just a couple mm-hmm. of different small
1: sizes. I make, yeah. I'm all all the decisions are made by the size of your press, right? What kind of press do you have? I I'm still working with the Arnold Grummer. Okay, um, he had the is their large, but large is I mean the, it's like twelve by twelve. Yeah, the little the book and paper press. Right. Yeah. 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 And that's the um, 12 by 12 will be the biggest I could do. And I would have to, my registration would have to be spot on because, right. I, you know, 12 by, I mean, it's 12 by 12 would squeeze in there just, you know, can't be nothing hanging off the sides on that one. So <laughs> but that makes all the decision. but I, but I really, I started with the eight and a half by five and a half. Mm-hmm. Because that was, you know, that's what I was teaching with the class. So right. and I, I had all of that stuff ready right. to go. So I started with that, and I just started with white
2: mm-hmm.
1: and pink. I, I did find a mix a shade of pink that I liked, and I mixed a blue that I liked.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I did think, well, I should probably do a yellow. Mm-hmm. I don't love it, but I mean, it's you know, I just don't love it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's great and it's beautiful, but I, I'm not like, Oh, the sweets. Oh, sweet, sweet. Oh, oh, that's like I do with the pink, the pink. I'm like, Oh, it's just the perfect blush, but not pepto but not band-aid, but not princess. It's a soft blush. La 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 la. Love it. The yellow. I'm like, that's nice. Uh Uh-huh. You know, but, and then people were like, Oh, can you make, can you make eight and a half by 11? Mm I was like, gosh, okay. Yeah, sure. You know, why not? I can, I mean, I have, I can make a couple molds and, mm-hmm. and it was like, well, can you make five by seven? I can make four by six. I can make, you know, and as people would ask, I would look. And if it's kind of a standard size,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I would just add that size to my repertoire. But if it's a non-standard size, that's, a—I would call that a custom order.
0: Right. So are you doing both custom orders and... Yeah, and then you just make what you want to make and put it on Etsy, kind of thing. Or, uh, or no. do you have a stock of yeah. certain things.
1: Yes, so you just That's keep good. them in stock. Okay. Yeah. I just keep putting my. Of course, my original goal, you know, was to have a huge stock, and and never feel pressured <laughs> <laughs> to make. <it. laughs> I make a plan that. Uh-huh. I mean, laughs when you make a plan well that's a good idea but you've been so busy
0: you've been so busy that you just are making
1: I'm making it as I get well and you know you get a a system you know you get I've got a system going where you know I can run the beater you know I've got everything's cut up back here in bins so when I need to run the beater I just pull it out measure out however much run the beater when i ha- I put my earbuds in and run the beat because it's cold right now so i'm running the beater inside so i put mm-hmm. in my earbuds and and then i've just got my system looks a lot like your system at this point with the mm-hmm. bins you know the and then the second bin that you put you know you pull you've got a Concrete, whatever, concrete mixing to whatever size. Right. You make a sheet and then you let it drain. Yeah. And then I put it on the, uh, on top of the other bin with pieces of wood over it, let it drain into that bin. Cause uh-huh. I'm, not, I don't have, it's not a wet studio. It's not. Right. <clears throat> yeah. So I'm coming to you up to your place really helped. Cause I was like, oh, if I just line my bins up like this, the Yeah. Now that's, cause I was trying to make paper outside mm-hmm. thinking, oh, I can't do it on a floor that's, but yeah, you, I, yeah, you can do it on a, I mean, a West studio yeah. would be great, but you don't have to have it. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. And do you make paper outside in the summer or do you, it's
1: yeah. In the spring. I love or to spring. make paper in the spring. Cause it is too, in July is too hot. Too hot. Yeah. But in, I love in the spring because I will be pulling paper out, outside of my studio. I have a, the picnic table. And my husband made us when we first got married. Aww. So I sit and I know, I'm, and I think, I think of him and I'm like, oh, blah, 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 you know? <laughs> and as I'm making paper, the wind is blowing and the this huge oak tree right here beside my studio and all the little seeds will just rain, sprinkle down around me like little um, nature's gifts. And of course they fall all in the vat. Yeah. And, and so that's how, my little spring bounty paper was born. Uh, huh. <laughs> yeah, that would drive me crazy.
0: But it, you you yeah. went with it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I went with it. Because then <laughs> as, I, as I sat there and, you know, the birds are singing and the oak trees just pouring out its gifts into my vat and the sun is so well, spring is, you know, and I thought I got a forsythia bush right over there and it's in full bloom. I got all these freaking oak tree seeds in here now I might as well just <laughs> go with it so I ran over to my forsythia bush and took a petal you know just just grabbed petals and sprinkled the petals in the bat and you know right. and then, you know I'm like oh the cherry tree's blue you know the cherry tree's blowing the cherry tree petals all past me and so I'm like well let am just grab some of those and put those in and yeah so spring bounty paper was born all right
0: yeah and we'll link to your Etsy shot in the show Thank notes you. Um, but what is the link just out loud?
1: What's oh, yeah. Your- uh, yeah, it's J Radford, just the letter J, mm-hmm. Radford, R I D F O R D J Radford, book and paper.
0: Hey, listeners, let's take a little break here. And I want to tell you about the Paper Advisor, a place where you can discover my most popular papermaking and papercraft resources, including information about tools and supplies, how-to videos, and paper tips all in one place, you can ask the paper advisor your paper questions there too, and best of all, it's free. Find the paper advisor by going to helenhebertstudio dot com and looking for the free paper advisor link in the upper right hand corner. Now, back to the episode so I want to hear just tell me like like this week what's on your docket like yeah. Um, I know you're getting orders all the time. Are you making orders that just came in? Are you backlog? Just kind of give me a peek into your week.
1: Yeah, because I, I mean, I'm a production paper maker, really. Um yeah. Which I never, th- I never thought I would be. Ha- I, I eschewed p- um, production where I thought, no, I will get bored. I thought mm-hmm. I would get bored. Mm-hmm. But here during COVID, I have embraced the just the soft meditative repetition Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of the water and the vat and my pandora radio station Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and the feel of the water you know and the it has been it has saved me during the pandemic i have to say so just pulling paper all the time but yeah i'm probably about i used to could i used i used to could i used to could (laughs) <laughs> about three to five days, uh-huh. church, about three to five days. You know, if an order came in, get it out the door in three to five days. But I've just had a, just recently I've had bigger orders coming in. So I've bumped it out to like a week to two weeks. Okay. Getting orders out the door. So today, today I've got one post in the press now that's eight and a half by 11s. And it's, I mean, I, I've got, when you're, if you're going to do production, you got to, you got to, fit, you know. So I know I've got 27 felts
2: mm-hmm. of this
1: size. So mm-hmm. I know I'm going to get 25 sheets in a post
2: mm-hmm.
1: of eight and a half by. So I know, you know. So I've got that post in the press, and I did 50. I had needed to get an order of 50 out today. So I've got that. I made that yesterday. Let it dry overnight. Get that out in the mail today. But I'm pulling about 25 more eight and a half by 11s this morning, which I already did. And I've got, all of a sudden I got orders for all the colors. Mm. And so I need to, the rest of this beater load will get tinted Mm -hmm. with with the colors and um, those will get pulled and made. And then I also got a couple of custom orders in recently, which also then that sort of gums up the works. But I tell people I'm at least two weeks out on custom orders.
0: Right. Well, that's still that's yeah. pretty
1: good. Yeah. When it's going to get ex- it's going to get pushed out even farther at this point, you know, because I, you know, I, the way I'm I look at kind of controlling this is okay, because I, I don't want staff. I'm not interested in having a staff. I'm not interested okay. in hiring anybody. I'm not. This will be made by my hands. So, you know, how do how do I control what's coming in? I can either say, okay, it's going to take me 12 weeks to make your paper, or I can raise the prices. And mm-hmm. what I've been doing, what I've, what I felt comfortable doing is raising the prices because my, I mean, I've made, you know, six or 7,000 sheets at this point right. in this past year. So it's a much better product than yeah. it was at right. the beginning. And I feel much more comfortable starting to charge a more what I consider to be appropriate price. You know, in the beginning, I just didn't. I was like, "Yeah, you know, I just don't feel
2: mm-hmm. comfortable."
1: So yeah, so the the prices have been going up a little bit at a time, and they'll keep going up a little bit, and and that will slow down orders. Right,
0: right, right. And um, so who are your customers? What do you know about
1: your customers? Yeah, I I in the beginning, I it was slow enough I could ask people Mm -hmm. but it's gotten to the point now where it's difficult but I still in my in my Etsy shop my listing says um please feel free to let me know what you're using the paper for Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I try to pull consistently you know about a 50 pound Mm -hmm. paper right some of them are a little bit thicker some of them are a little bit thinner that's just where I am in this process so you know let me know what you're going to use them for if you need us, you know, need me to pull some, you know, you need thicker shoes and whatever. So I still get some feedback, but the, in the beginning, I, a couple of my really memorable ones were um, one of my first big orders was from a, a young woman in Brooklyn, New York,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Brooklyn, New York. And this was in March and April of 2020 when Brooklyn was like, New York was on fire. With yeah. Cable, right. You know? And she, she was ordering 20 sheets, then 20 sheets, then 50 sheets. And I, so I I was like, do you mind me asking what you're, and she said, I am journaling and it is saving my life. Oh, and I thought, my God, you know, like, wow.
0: Yeah. What a contribution.
1: Yeah. To someone's life. Yeah. yeah. You know, it was that, uh, I still get tingles when I think about it. Often, I often she has not ordered, and I mean, I hope she's okay, but she's not ordered in, you know, four or five months. So Uh uh, Mm -hmm. maybe she's, you know, life's getting back to normal. But um, right, I'll never, I'll never forget her, and another one that was so sweet. This young man ordered several different sheets and several, you know, and he put me put a message and said. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna just eat him. I'm gonna eat this little boy up. We'll eat him with the this- <laughs> because he said, We're going to write our wedding vows on the paper. Oh. And then he said, he said, Can you do you have any advice on what what writing instrument you uh-huh. know? What, uh-huh. You know, and I thought, well, here we go. I grabbed a piece of the paper and I just started pulling out my pens. Uh-huh. You know, and I wrote, this is a Lammy fountain pen. And then I wrote, this is a, a, right. a gel rollerball. You know, this is an old fashioned rollerball ink, you know, and so, so here's what they look like. Here's what it looks like when you write on it, you know? So um, that kind of like little, it's one of the things I like about the Etsy platform because it does allow you to really easily message back and forth and connect with your customers. Yeah. Right. You know, he's like, what should I write on it with? I'm like, well, I don't know. Let's see. <laughs> i my pens and we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens. But, you know, there's that. That I mean, brides um, uh-huh. for their way, but printmakers as well. Uh-huh. Printmakers will come to me and say, okay, I need this or that. Or right. um, I love working printmakers probably the best, you know, just as far as, because they'll, you know, they can really say, I'm like, how did the ink, work on the I mean, did it, is it sitting on top? Is it soaking in, you know, is it right? You need more give, did you need less give in the, you know, and so we can kind of geek out on paper.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you're still making all rag paper. Are you cutting the rag? How are you cutting
1: it? With my scissors, well, no, actually a rotary cutter. A rotary cutter, okay. Yeah, so um, the, and I, I'm i still working with a lot of the blackout lining, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a thick, felty kind of materials, kind mm-hmm. of like a blankety, felty material. But I also um, found, okay, raglady.com. Oh, uh-huh. Raglady. Rag. Because Rag. I'm like, where do you, how, you know, you, that's one of the things I hear from Cotton Rag paper makers is i need i can't source i need a reliable source of cotton rag. Right. Yeah, because it's so true that um, just because it says 100% cotton on the label doesn't mean it's actually 100% cotton. So right. you can and if you got orders you got to get out the last thing i can handle is a beater full of messed up junk. So Yeah. raglady.com. I called them on the phone and talked to a lovely young lady there. Uh-huh. And i reiterated repeatedly that it had to be 100% period. And so there, she was like, well, that's our quote, most expensive rag, which is like a nickel a pound (laughs) instead of a penny a pound or whatever. Oh my gosh. It was still, yeah, I was still like, this is no problem as far as like the price point of my paper and sourcing. Wow yeah so it's like they're 100% organic cotton rags and it comes in a big box and, and how I, much are you ordering like how many I pounds ordered, I ordered I think I ordered 20 pounds 20 okay pounds, something. Uh-huh. I, honestly I can't remember it was it was quite a while ago so it's last I'm, yeah okay. yeah so I'm I, what I'm doing is it's I mean it's it's not I mean they're rat is Rag, their rag, it's not, we're not talking fine, you mm-hmm. know, material here. So I, I like about 50% blackout because the blackout uh-huh. material is really makes gorgeous. And then ah. I so 50% of that, 50% of my rags from the rag lady. And then I'll throw in about 10% of abaca. I like okay. just a little bit of, uh-huh. of like bleached abaca. Right. Just, the, um, I think that gives the, the paper is less drapey. It's just a little, it's a little crisper, a little stiffer, but you still get that soft cotton. Right. You think of when you think cotton stationery or your cotton paper, but mm. I just, the, all, the, all the cotton that I'm using, I just, it's a little too droopy or too, I don't know. I just like a little too a little soft.
0: Yeah. It gives it a yeah. little crisp and a little little
1: snap Uh, snap yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so the with the white paper i put about 10% abaca in there for the colored when i'm doing colored paper it's about 30% abaca to 70% rag some those are thinner sheets Uh uh you know um nice nice a real nice crispness to them i like i like
0: i love that you're sourcing rags because that's you know how paper was made in England, the yeah. the old days. And it reminds me of crane paper up in Massachusetts. They actually, I visited there once and they had, they had a rag room where they still had, wow. there was this huge mountain of rags because they make a rag paper. They make our money. Yeah, and they make our money. And then um, Lawrence Barker talked about getting rags and Douglas and Howell I reviewed his daughter and, uh, yeah, it he was, was the Douglas
1: Hall interview. Yeah, he had it. He had, was in with the garment district people, so he was right. getting amazing. Uh, yeah, and there was
0: a museum that he had someone. There was a box in Boston or something where they were collecting rags for him to wow. make, and he made a lot of linen paper. So he specified.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, I am, yeah, when I heard your interview with his daughter, it really did make me quite curious about. Um, what, yeah, what would this, what would this, what would that do? What would the, you know, what, you know, and I could. I can do a, just a beat, a couple of beaters full of, you know, oh, somebody had some black linen scraps that mm-hmm. I bought. So I can just do a beater full and make some of that and just to see what that, you know, right. Right. And it, it, I'm, I could throw it in the Etsy shop and sell it as sort of a special, you know, this is a one time right. only thing. I'm not going to get this, you know, as long as I have the sort of the foundation of the white paper, the pink, the blue, and those are there all the time. Right. Right. Yeah. You can try things out
0: because you have yeah, your own. Yeah. But
1: now I can throw these Clip in or that, and and mm-hmm. yeah, whatever. And so that, that, that works, but the, his listening to his daughter talk, I got very curious about different fabrics, but yeah, raglady.com. Cool.
0: Okay, I want to ask you about your drying system, and then we'll go to your, rec- your other recommendations. So yeah. what, how do you dry your paper? You said you dry it overnight.
1: Dried every, I restra- have a restraint drying system that looks a lot like your drying system, because I had not seen one. Uh huh. Re- prior to that had been um, pull it, cooch it, and just hang the cooching sheet on a line. Right. Forever. So I had not seen a lot of restraint drying. Yeah, and particularly when I'm teaching class, how do you send paper home Right. if it's not a two-day class? So we would cooch it onto, you know, I was buying sheets and tearing sheets up, cooch it onto the sheet. We hang it up to dry and take a bubble, you know, and they can take that home. And dry it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I've been, um if you order plant, a lot of plants, just FYI, if you order plants, particularly if you order plants from thetreecenter.com, you get that gorgeous double-walled cardboard. Oh, okay. And so we ordered some camellias and some uh-huh. stuff, and, and the boxes were like five feet tall. Right. So you cut it up. Is it? Up. Is that eight and a half by eleven, or did you, did you make it bigger so you can do more? I'd made it to eight and a half because it was also kind of the size of my fan. Right. A right. box fan. So it's two eight and a half by eleven sheets side by side. Okay. And, um, I was. I had to really play around with how many. Lay, how many layers of what to get it to dry without? Yeah, cotton. what
0: do you put? What layers think, do you have?
1: Yeah, so here, I mean, I do have my building, my studio is climate controlled. Good, so yeah. that helps. But it yeah. is the south, so it's very right. humid here, and I found that um, a, a, the double the double carb, double wall, the double whatever, how is that? Double corrugated cardboard, whatever. Yeah, a sheet of that, and then two Pellons Wet paper, two pelons, a piece of cardboard. Okay, so you're pallons. just
0: using pellon.
2: Hmm. Yeah, yeah,
1: okay. yeah. It's just, and it's it's the thickest I could get from um, either Twin Rocker or Carriage House. I we we used to have here in Gastonia. We had a famous institution called Mary Joe's Fabrics, and oh. people would come from all over by the busloads to buy fabric. And I could get thick pellon's. Yeah. Get just off the bolt. They had bolts of pellon there and I can get really nice thick. So I have, still have some of that, but um yeah, so I've had to use layers of pellon to get that, you know, and I can only do one layer of wet paper in my sandwich.
0: Right. And your cardboard's holding up okay? So far yeah. so good. Yeah. Good.
1: Good. Yeah. Good. So far so good, but um I might have to order more trees from the tree center to get more that good. <laughs> Is that, if, if you say double corrugated or whatever cardboard, Helen's ears like fly off her head. Where'd you get that? Where'd you get that? Well, <laughs> I use triple wall. I oh, use no. tri-wall. drywall. wall <laughs> oh, <my. laughs>
0: where and you get I, that? <laughs> well, the best place I've found in the last few years is Staples, actually. Really? And Staples uh-huh. sells it in huge four by eight sheets or something. So you have to cut it down. That's fine. You're That's cutting fine. yours anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Because you are- only need because the triwall's so thick, you only right. need like four or five of those big sheets. And you cut it down, you've got 20 pieces. Yeah. 22 is to the height of my fan. And I actually have a blog post on make your oh, own drying
1: system. Yeah. It's in My book yeah. as well. But Yes, yeah. um, yeah, so I use I use a restrained. Cool. The only thing I have I did not do is I had um I had redone my kitchen and I got granite countertops. And so when I was at the granite place, I asked them if I could go through their trash. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I got some really nice long, you know, twelve inch long pieces, strips of granite. So I don't have to do a tie down or a oh, so you wrap. lift you have to lift the granite
0: though.
1: Yeah. yeah. put it on top yes. I have to lift the lift. Uh, yeah, so I take the yeah, so I have like four or five of those that I put on top for the weight. Yeah. And then turn the box fan on and leave for the day. Come back. Yeah.
0: In. Well, that's actually better I think for um because as your paper dries it shrinks. So oh. the weight just goes down with it whereas I have these tie-down straps right. that are set and I go to my studio only every other day. So right. I'm not there to crank it down tighter. So yeah. with certain papers, I get a little wobbly edge.
1: I, I will occasionally I get a little yeah, I'll get a little cockle on the edge from time to time, but I'm also like, well, you paid a dollar thirty Yeah. You know, that's right. the there's an unromantic business side to this whole thing. <laughs> you know, that's right, right. $1.30 for it. That's you're gonna get a dollar thirty. Yeah. You're gonna every penny of your dollar thirty. Right. Well, um,
0: yeah, so you had some recommendations. Tell me about those. So there's a metal bone folder.
1: Yes, because um, if you and really, I should be talking to um, Karen Hanmer about this because she just recently again, she talks. Uh, she does not like a springy bone folder because it won't fold because it's springy. Uh huh. Uh huh. And they all look the same when you order them off the website, but then it shows up at your house and it's springy. And this, I don't uh, love that, but this is, I love this metal bone folder and it's, I love it. Cause it's got, she carves on it or she puts designs on it. And, and this I, is
0: made by Shana Leno.
1: Yes. This yeah. By, yeah. And um, I had gone, you know, Penland has the, ha- cause the gallery closed with COVID mm-hmm. and Penland, they tried to get more stuff online mm-hmm. and I thought, well, I'm, let me see if I can support them mm-hmm. and support an artist in some way and they had a big show that was all tools oh cool so I love this metal bone boulder it's okay just the right size for my hand it's and like, we'll put
0: the Penland supply shop and Shana Leno. because yeah. Shana has some other cool tools that she makes
1: yes and I just I just fell in love I just and the weight of it whatever the metal she chose creates a weight that's just perfect in my hand and the width of it and the I don't know it just you know it's it's it suits my hand and my my all my whole aesthetic I'm looking at it's got circles on it and I just yeah I give it a kiss (laughs) thank you to her because it really is an exquisite tool I have to say and well worth the investment because it's not springy right and
0: you mentioned karen hammer she's a a book artist she teaches a lot of fine bindings and working with leather and so she she has her certain desires in a bone folder yeah
1: Yeah. and everybody you know if a tool that you use all the time it really for me at least i'm sure other people are like this but um my tools that Mm -hmm. are my, you know, and they just fit my hand and they feel right and they're weighted right. And the thickness is right. And Mm -hmm. they just become this intimate part of the whole dance of, of between me and my medium. And I, if I'm going to have a tool, I don't, I don't like having tools between my hands and my medium. I think it's one of the things I didn't like about old painting was there's Mm. tools in between me and you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I like a little more intimacy and I like the whole haptic experience. And right. So if I'm going to put a tool in my hand between me and my medium, it it's going to be a it's going to be a tool that really suits.
0: Right. And then uh, tell me what you do with the uh, old gift cards.
1: Yes. And those. Yes. All those Amazon gift cards, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Those. Yeah. Those. I love those things because I use them. I use them a lot when I was doing mixed media stuff for scraping Mm-hmm. You know, like you need to just scrape something back, right. or scrape something off. But I watched the uh, the guys at Awagami, you know, Awagami puts a lot of great videos out. Uh, mm-hmm. They do a lot of great content. And I watched, um, I watched them. So when you pull the sheet of paper and it's draining, mm-hmm. it's, almost, it's draining. I take that old um, Amazon gift card and just slide it in between the edge of the mold and the paper. And it just sort of releases All the fibers from the edge. Yeah. So when you lift up the mold, you don't get that lip of fiber Uh that pulls up around the edge of the paper. Right, right. You know, so if I'm pulling, like when I was pulling, I pulled 50 sheets for a printmaker and I, I was, took the extra time to take that credit card, just run it around, pop it up and down around the edge just to clear. And then so when I lifted the mold off, it was really pretty. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, so keep keep your old gift.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I'm that's making me think about like my fine, finely made molds and decals. Mm-hmm. I do not have that problem. But yesterday I was and making paper makes- on a it's an old English mold, but I'm guessing maybe the wood has could probably use another coat of something. So yeah. um a I minor- I know what you're talking about, but I don't yeah. think in production that that's like a time suck. That shouldn't yeah. be happening. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, it doesn't happen. It doesn't. I don't do it unless it's, it's a custom order yeah. or it's a bride or if, if for some reason, if if um, I'm really trying to give the client consi- something cons- really consistent.
2: Mm-hmm, you know?
1: Otherwise, I think the, the beauty of handmade paper is that they're all a little different. Right. And, and yeah. if, you don't want, yeah. if you don't like them all being a little different, don't buy handmade paper.
0: Right, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, and then you make uh, molds and decals with this PVC.
1: Tell me about that. Yeah, that has been that's been the key to custom sizes, price, custom sizes, and keeping my price point where it is because mm-hmm. I you can get it at at your um, home supply store, Lowe's, or Home Depot, or wherever you go to where the molding and the trim yeah. stuff is. And mostly that stuff's in wood, but they have some of it that's PVC. Okay. And they have it's um it's five it's square and mm-hmm. it's five eighths inch. Okay. And you just cut it like you cut wood. I buy it in eight foot lengths. It's not really it's not relatively expensive. I just cut it w- with a saw or whatever you know whatever, and then st- I use staples and to- 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 and I use the heat shrink. Um, Screen that you get. I usually get that carriage and twin rocker. Okay. Yeah. So I use that heat shrink. And you glue you glue that on and heat shrink stable. it, or you just staple it on. Mm-hmm. Okay. I staple it on, and then, but I do use weather stripping. Uh huh. And you yeah. make a
0: decal also.
1: Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. Yeah. So That's a cool. great yeah. tip. Yeah. yeah, and it's quick, easy, cheap, and. You know, I have a charge. You know, if you, if you want to custom, I have a thirty dollars charge to make the mold and decal. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, but I can quickly and easily make molds and decals. You know, for kind of production work. Right, and you mentioned these uh, precision tweezers. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. I, of course, I get those from Hobby Lobby because I mean, not Hobby. I'm sorry, Harbor, Harbor Freight. Freight. Yeah, because Harbor Freight is the land of magical mm-hmm. things but the little the long they're like long tiny and the little tip is very small because if you see a little flinky or something in your right as you're as it's draining you can just pick it out with the little precision tweezers if you but if you've got regular tweezers they're like you know oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Paper making suppliers sell tweezers too but harbor good, yeah. for freight's probably less expensive that's a yeah. great tip and then your waterproof apron
1: I love my waterproof apron. It has hedgehogs on it. it has cute Hedgehogs. I, I mean, I love my waterproof apron because I wanted something that made me smile. Yeah. And I wanted to, um, I looked at paper making places and I was like, these are not cute. These are no. just black. I don't, you know, is there, Am I making it cute. And I went on Etsy and found this sweet lady in England who makes these waterproof aprons. And they're, I love, they're just, it makes me smile. Yeah, and you have a, a link you
0: can share with me, and we can put that on the
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: show notes. Cool. I, just, I love, I love that. her fabrics.
1: Yeah, just make and she's got some that are kind of Art Nouveau and some that are kind of Art Deco looking, and and it right. just, uh, just makes me it, it fits me if you're a little shorter. Uh-huh. The uh-huh. problem when you, if you're in and it just makes me smile when I put my apron and d- gosh wear an apron because you get really you get oh yeah tired of being wet
0: all the time <laughs> all the you time do, for sure yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: okay well um jackie it's been super fun having you on thanks so for sharing your paper journey with us Thank and you. um everybody visit Jay radford book and paper, and paper yeah on etsy and we'll put the links in the show notes and um Good luck coming out of COVID. I hope your orders continue and wish you success. Thank,
1: you. Thank, Thank you. you so much for having happy paper making.
0: Hey paper friends, did you know that I write a weekly blog called The Sunday Paper featuring stories of people doing exciting, innovative, and beautiful things with paper? Sign up at helenhebertstudio.com/blog. I'm also creating a lot of content over here and the best way to stay up to date is to join my newsletter list to learn about free tutorials, online classes, workshops, and the annual Red Cliff Paper Retreat, which takes place right here at Helen Hebert Studio. You can sign up at HelenHebertStudio.com to receive my e-newsletter. This wraps up our episode, and if you enjoyed it, I'd appreciate it if you could leave a review over on iTunes. This helps other people find out about the podcast. Special thanks to Gary A. Hansen for the sound editing and Peter Thomas for the music. Visit HelenHebertStudio.com and click on Paper Talk, where you can find out more about them, subscribe to the series via iTunes, and listen to other episodes and access all of the archived shows. I'll talk to you soon.